Trista getting a little parking lot bet done here, running outside. I the day that the day that we don't have the zones in DC, I cannot wait. Cannot wait for those moments. So you're anti geofencing, is what you're saying? Uh, yes, I am actually. I'm but realizing too. I'm texting our social sales, team Nick. real quick. I'm just going to say this out loud. You ever, uh, you ever ha- just type the wrong name into something? Like I did. I gave yeah, him I mean, the wrong prop I did it prop for bet. a girlfriend when I was texting my wife. Is that what you're trying to say? Or, gonna, oh, you mean a different prop? Yeah, bet. I'm going to let yes. Luke know. Luke, I'm a moron. I gave you the wrong name for that one prop I texted you. I'm just going to say it out loud. I'll call myself out when I screw up. Uh, that is not who I actually wanted in that one assist prop in the middle. You've got it. You know what we're talking about here. I'm an idiot. You know what? Here's the thing. I'm going to be honest with you. Brain freezes are it was, happening. It was it's an okay. absolute brain freeze. I think it's it's because I'm thinking about stuffing in Turkey this week. I understand. So. By the way, coming up in 20 minutes, change atop top the top five in the CFP. It came out. How does it affect We've your got odds it. and your thinking and your title and your this <laughs> and your that and lots more going on. Hey, why real quick before we get to Jim Root, why is there no hockey tonight? You're a hockey so guy. I am a hockey guy, and there was a great example posted by Jeff Mark, Merrick, uh, hockey insider extraordinaire, and I shared it with you in the rundown. Basically, the Canadian teams, because they had Canadian Thanksgiving, are right, this is going to show my ignorance? It was a little bit ago. Question sure. mark. I run Burgundy. Sure. If you want to Wikipedia up Canadian Thanksgiving, you can do that. But in America, in the United States, our Thanksgiving, of course, is this Thursday. So all the Canadian teams were requested to come stateside. When that happens, arena availability is at a premium. So oh, it was October fourteenth. Thank you. So it mm-hmm. was a few, literally a few weeks back. So if you take a look at arena availability for tonight, Mark's explanation or Merrick's explanation at Jeff Merrick, there are only three teams slash buildings available to host games tonight, Vancouver, Calgary, and Arizona. Canadian teams get sent to the U.S. this week for Thanksgiving Eve and Black Friday. Huh. So uh, since home games this week are requested by American teams, they're like, people are off, let's go. The Capitals, right here in Washington, D.C., play the Edmonton Oilers uh, 3 o'clock on Black Friday, and there's a lot of Black Friday. I think a couple of years ago, the NHL tried like a 1 o'clock um, Madison Square Garden, yeah. Rangers, Bruins game, whatever, whatever. Arizona didn't want to play back-to-back Tuesday and Wednesday. Twelve teams are playing tomorrow night, Friday and Saturday, so you can't schedule a Tuesday or else there'd be four games in five nights, and the Players Association goes ballistic. Also, there were four teams who were in Sweden over the weekend, Jeez. so they weren't available. The NHL's too complicated. So, what's going to happen tomorrow night? Fourteen games, and on Friday, fifteen games. Okay, too many. Too many for me. Oh, That's an overload. Your, get your Hockey ready. overload. Well, for you, you like that. So, All right, let's bring our buddy Jim Root. Three-man weave. Uh, Trista is still... Got, I hope she can get this bet in. I'm very concerned. You know, No, no, no. No, leave the empty box open, you guys. No. And if you're watching us on our stream on Twitch or YouTube, leave the empty box open. It's hilarious. You know what we should do? When we run out and make these... Because I don't know if you know how this works, Jim. In D.C., there's, like, zones. Like, you you have to have, like, geo-fencing, and you can only bet in, like, certain areas what your geolocation is. It's the worst thing ever. But I, when we have to go do that, we got to run across the street, because that's a zone where you can actually do it... Anyway, long story short, we should have cardboard cutouts. We'll just plop somebody down right in the chair here. So if we're outside, it's like, I'll be right back. I've got a cardboard cutout taking my uh, taking my spot. So, well, we'll wait for her. No big deal. We'll get to you, Jim, because that's what really matters here. Uh, I just want to get big picture with you first. Early returns from college hoops. What, what has stood out to you? Any surprises? Any letdowns? I know it's a small sample size, but there's always things that can stand out this early in a college basketball season. Uh, nothing too crazy uh, in terms of teams. I think one of the narratives that that uh, I was hoping we would see, and it's actually kind of come to fruition, is that the the big block charge rule change 
has actually played out as we were hoping. Scoring is up across the board. Efficiency per possession is up pretty much across the board. Overs were cooking to the first uh, couple days of the season. The market is more or less adjusted now, uh, and it's not really like any sort of auto bet kind of thing or anything. But I, I think the game's a little more aesthetically pleasing to watch, which I've you know quite enjoyed. And with some of the tournaments we've got coming up this week, obviously Maui's the big one tonight, and then Atlantis starts tomorrow, a couple others, ESPN Events Invitational, and a few others down the line there. But I think people are going to enjoy what they see out of college shoot if they're willing to you know, give it a shot in, in among all the football and the eating and the family. So uh, it's exciting times for the sport. Let's get back to UConn. Another double You're soaking win. wet, by the way. You get poured on. No, it was so bad. <laughs> no, we need to – hold on. We, it's like I told her, Jim, she ran all the way out. It's, I forgot to mention it's also pouring rain. She ran outside to be able to put this parlay in. So five legs. This better parlay. win. It better win. That's what I say. I know. Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta Hawks, Indiana Pacers. Look like you just got out of the shower. Oh, it's so, it so bad. I knew it was bad. I was in the wrong state. It wasn't letting me bet. It oh said the gosh. wrong location. And there, I mean, I can't touch the iPhone because the screen is wet. I'm like trying to put it over my head. I'm like trying to wipe it down. The panic is setting in, Jim, because I'm so excited to talk to you about college hoops, but I really want to make some money on this game, too. So UConn. UConn, UConn, the respect, beating the hell out of Texas. Where are we at on UConn now? Man, they're really good. I I kind of been a little resistant this year because of uh, how much I really loved the guys that they lost last year, specifically Hawkins and Jackson. I think Sunogo was more or less replaceable given the bigs that they had, but uh, I, I was really impressed last night. Caravan hit some super tough shots late when Texas started to threaten them. And Cam Spencer is, is giving them the, the perimeter shooting that Jordan Hawkins took away. So combine that with that two-headed center duo that they've got up front. And I, I don't even think Donovan Klingon is fully healthy and at his apex yet. And he was kind of invisible last night, and, and Samson Johnson was even better. And then Tristan Newton's been this, this very solid metronome at point guard giving them consistent contributions. Once they get Stefan Castle back, the, the five-star freshman who is out right now, I think he's targeting in December 1st return, UConn might be right back up there. Uh, this streak that they've got going of, I think it's something like 30 non-conference games that they won by double digits, and they've covered, I think, 17 of their last 18 non-conference games. Uh, it's been ridiculous and quite quite a run for the Huskies. All right, Jim, let's look at this Kansas-Marquette game. Uh, 10.30 Eastern tip, Maui Invitational. Those lucky guys getting to be out there in uh, Hawaii. Not not a bad time to be out there, that's for sure. Uh, what do you like in this game tonight? I, I lean towards the dog here. Um, I, I took some at plus five. I think it's mostly four and a half across the board now. I, I definitely feel worse about that. I'd like to get that five. Um, I made it about two and a half, so that's, that's where my number's at. Matchup-wise, though, I have some concerns for Marquette. Especially in the paint, uh, Igadaro was terrific last night. With some of those momentum-changing dunks that really sparked that 17-0 run that the Golden Eagles went on. But it, he is not a wide, strong like he's put on some strength. But it, it, against Hunter Dickinson, he could have some issues in in the paint. I don't want to see him in foul trouble because I think that really spells doom for Marquette. So they've got to figure out a way to to avoid that. And then the perimeter. I think Tyler Kolick's ankle might still be bugging him. He seemed to lack a little burst last night. One of the big Marquette runs happened while he was on the bench. And Kansas got Dewan Harris, arguably the best like point guard, on-ball defender in the entire country. He's going to be all over him. Uh, Marquette might have to find some secondary creation out of Sean Jones and Chase Ross, and they got it last night, but going to need even more of that tonight. So this is mostly a number play that I, that I took you know, less than a unit on, on Marquette at plus five, but 
definitely don't recommend it at four and a half because I've got just some some magic concerns, like I said. Let's talk about UCLA. Freshman Sebastian Mack turning some heads here. 25-6 and six performance against Marquette. What do you think his ceiling is? How impactful he's, is he going to be for UCLA? Bona looks pretty good, too. Yeah, I mean, he looks terrific. I know their little crosstown rival in, in USC has got a stud freshman point guard of their own, but Mac has been outstanding. You know, coming into this year, the whole story about UCLA was these international freshmen they've got. Mata, the, the Spanish big man, and Berka, the, the Turkish big man, and Jan Vide coming from, uh, I believe it's Serbia. I apologize if that's incorrect uh, to Mr. Vide, but he's barely playing. Mata's barely playing. Burke had just got eligible. It's been Mac that's been the guy for them uh, in terms of the freshman class. Just really opened my eyes last night, what he was able to do to Marquette's defense, getting to the rim basically every time, getting in the paint, dropping it off to, to Bona for some finishes. I, I think he's got like all-conference potential. I know Arizona's loaded and USC's got Collier and, and Boogie Ellis, but he could be right up there with KJ Simpson and some of those guys, like, you know, one tier below the stars. And they need it because their backcourt's a little thin. McClendon and Andrews are solid, but not elite. And, and Mac kind of gives them that extra edge to go with all this international potential that they have. And that, that kind of opens things up for UCLA. All right, talking to Jim Root, BetMGM tonight. Tennessee and Purdue, can't leave that open. We got that tipping off in about 30 minutes here. Is Zach Eady maybe the difference in this game for you? Yeah, I, I think so. And, and just from a matchup since yesterday, we, we saw Gonzaga give them a little bit of trouble with some of the ball screen pick and pop. You have EK sitting out on the, the three-point line. He hit a couple threes early. And, and even, you know, Braden Huff did it a little bit. And, and Ben Gregg did it for, for Gonzaga. I don't think Tennessee has the, the bigs to do that. So Edie's going to be able to be more paint-bound defensively. It's just so hard to score in there. He, he's evolved as a shot blocker. His timing's gotten a lot better. And he just knows how to wall off angles for drivers. So there's a lot of pull-up jumpers in like that 13 to 18-foot range that doesn't really work. And I think Tennessee can be teased into taking those. Now, Tennessee's not a super big ball screen team, but I think that's how you have to attack Purdue and try to you know get some of that spacing and, and get them in rotation. I'm not sure they can do that. And then on the other end, Edie getting Tennessee into foul trouble. I, I feel like he's going to do that again. He did it to an excellent front line in Gonzaga last night. And for Purdue, you know, this cover probably comes down to do their guards hit shots? Does Fletcher Lawyer play a lot better than he did last night because he was kind of nightmarish? Does Miles Colvin continue to emerge in a bigger role after last night he hit some huge shots down the stretch? And does Braden Smith handle the, the defensive athleticism that Tennessee can throw at him? That's kind of been his bugaboo as a sophomore point guard is when guys can really get up in him. He, he seems a little bothered by that. So this is a great, great test for Purdue's guards. And like you said, I, I think Edie is going to be the difference. It's just mm -hmm. such a tough, tough guy to handle down low. I, I do like Purdue here. I uh, laid a little minus three, three and a half. Obviously, maybe I'd go like a half a unit or something on that. But uh, I like the Boilers. Yeah, Tennessee is such a physical, athletic team. They love to get up into you. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts on the Panthers. The Pitt Panthers has one of the best freshmen in the country, Carlton Carrington. Uh, I think Andy Cash just put them in his uh, in his a little bit higher in his power rankings. Uh, what do you like about what they're doing, and what's their upside this year? Man, Pitt is a team that I've kind of surrendered to. I, I Early, I, I bet against them a couple <laughs> times, and they have taken me to the woodshed. So I got to acknowledge the losses there and just, just look at what they've been doing and, and respect it. Like you said, Carrington has been ridiculous, like almost a triple-double kind of threat as a freshman, and they've got a bunch of size. Uh, the, the Grams, 
The Graham twins, I, I think the, the funny nickname for them is, is Chet Homeless because they're kind of Chet Holmgren-esque, but not quite up to his standards. <laughs> and then Federico, the big guy. Uh, yeah, and, and, and Blake so Hinson good. is a big-time matchup nightmare at the four spot, can, can play inside or out and beat you with strength or shooting. And so the fact that they're getting this, this guard play from Carrington and even Lowe, the other freshman, it, Pitt is a lot better than I thought coming into the year. And uh, them and, and Florida State, I think, are really rising up the rankings in the ACC, kind of that mid-tier and with, with uh, a chance to make a real run at the NCAA tournament. We were talking to Ryan, our other co-host, last night or maybe two nights ago, and he said one of his favorite things to do betting college basketball is to take, you know, like the second guard on a team and look at their assist number. If they're if they're leading in assists on the team and they're getting five, six, seven assists, the line still is sitting there at two and a half. And so he's been hammering that bet pretty much last season and this season. Do you have any prop strategies uh, in college basketball, kind of that same type of thing that you can share with the people? You know, I don't do a ton of prop betting. Uh, unfortunately, I, I probably it's something I should get more into. Uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Uh, I'm always intimidated by all the DFS modelers and, and everything that they've got going behind the scenes. Uh, one thing that, that I love is I just the way that injuries are kind of underreported in college basketball. So if you find out that somebody's going to be out and you are able to quickly attack, you know, a points or a rebounds prop for somebody else, like last night real early or not early uh, close to game time uh, it was announced that Caden Shedrick was going to be out for Texas and it's like all right maybe we should get on Dylan Mitchell rebound props or something because someone's going to have to get on the glass for the Longhorns I, I think a lot of times those are markets that the books aren't super interested in or or you know flexible with where you can beat them to the move uh, they're not going to be able to find out that Shedrick's out and quickly adjust all that stuff so especially in those headliner games if you're able to you know, see a tweet from Jeff Goodman or Jeff Borzello or John Rothstein and, and quickly get to your book and, and adjust or, or attack where maybe the uh, the production is going to be replaced by. I think that's a very good strategy. Yeah, Dylan Mitchell, 21 points, 8 rebounds. There you go. Uh, Jim, got about a minute left here, so I'm looking at the futures market. I'm looking at uh, national title. Look, I understand we got a long way to go, but there's obviously chances we can maybe find a little bit of value where some teams UConn. are priced this early. Is there anybody UConn. that you look at? UConn. We loved UConn last year. 20-1 to, one. to one UConn right now. Is there anybody else maybe besides UConn that you say, I've seen something from them, and that number is going to drop very soon? Yeah, the the one that I I added is uh, Arizona, and I know their price is way mm -hmm. way up there. But I like I think there's a real chance they're number one in the country and, and the best team, uh, given the flexibility that they have in style, the point guard play they're getting from Boswell, and then even Caleb Love has fit in pretty seamlessly. I, I know that price isn't like super enticing, but I, I like I said, I think they could be number one. They've got Michigan State uh, in Palm Springs this weekend, and if they blow them out, they might be up around like ten to one and only getting lower and lower as the season goes. So I, I think this might be a good chance to get on the Wildcats before that Michigan State game. You know what? 14-1 to 1 is still a great price, so yes. I don't scoff at that at all. 14-1 to 1 is a nice return, Thanks, so I'm, I'm right there with you. Jim Root, always good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on, man. Of course. So appreciate cool. it. Stay dry over there. Yes. <laughs> do you need to go out and make any more uh, parking lot bets? Never again. I'm never doing that again. You are a liar. You will do it again. We've all done it's it. Raining. We've all, it's cold and rainy. That means so you really cold. love this parlay. I do. That means you really, really love it. Uh, we've been wondering what the committee was going to do with FSU after the uh, Jordan Travis injury. Now we know. That's next. Bet MGM tonight. We'll be right back in just a few. Head over to Bet MGM to place a better three. This is Bet MGM tonight, presented by Bet MGM, live from BetQL.